0: welcome to The Dish, the Connectivity Business News Podcast. My name is Madeline Durrett, Associate Editor at Connectivity Business News. And today we're speaking with Charles Miller, Co-Founder and Chief Executive Officer at Satellite to Mobile Connectivity Provider Link Global about the company's Internet of Things business. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Great. Thanks for having me, uh, Madeline. Looking forward to the conversation. Thank you.
0: I'd like to start off talking about your IoT business. You recently announced plans to team up with Mnify to expand IoT services in offshore locations. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Well, um, Mnify and a lot of other IoT companies have a big problem in that if you want to do IoT everywhere, it's extremely expensive. And and if you – but if you want to do IoT, that's where existing – Mobile cell towers already exist. It's actually really cheap. You actually can have a device that has uh, an RF cellular chip in it, a radio chip, like the same chip that's in every phone. It's so, and it's in like every car, and every drone, and every truck on the road. And so they're mass produced, hundreds of millions, billions of years, of these chips are produced. These standard. They're 3GPP standard cellular RF chips, but they don't work everywhere because there's black spots. 90% of the planet does not have coverage for these cellular chips. It only works where you have cell tower coverage. And Link is already solving this for mobile phones. But what we haven't talked about a lot is we solve the same problem for every form of cellular RF chip, right? So every car built. Basically, today, um, every drone, um, you know, truck it has these chips in them. And so just like we can extend coverage for existing mobile phones everywhere, we can extend coverage to your car or to your, your drone everywhere with no change to your car or drone, right? They'll now just stay connected everywhere. So Mnify really liked this the alternative that that um that many um companies like Mnify have to consider doing is doing a hybrid terminal well a hybrid kind of sucks and we talked to others at, uh, in the industry that they, they'll go get a they offer a hybrid version and the total bill of materials for the for the non-hybrid user terminal for an IoT is like $100 but if they add a satellite chip to fill in all the black spots It doubles the price. It's like $200 to build that device. So what if the $100 device could do the same thing as the $200 device, right? You could have the existing IoT radio system that you put mass producing these cars, and maybe it's even lower cost for car manufacturers with no change to the car, and now it works everywhere. Well, that's what Link is offering. So this is why Link... Was awarded the uh, Grand Prize Challenge by Mercedes-Benz last year for their Sat the Car Challenge. It's like this insight is a huge difference. And so, MnFI is at the same mindset. They want to start providing service in um, black spots or focus on maritime and extend coverage to their fifty, 50 million end users um, everywhere. So that's that's what Link is offering.
0: Thank you. Um, how exactly does
1: the direct the car work? Well, your car has a cellular RF chip in it. It comes off the assembly line. They the car manufacturers use this to, you know, provide like low jack type services and and OnStar emergency services. And when your airbag is deployed, they call nine one one. And and they also use it for lots of other things like updates and maintenance. You know, so they know things are going – if things are breaking down in the car, they can do updates to it. And so there's lots of different reasons for using in the car. Uh, but that cellular RF chip that's already in a car now can stay connected everywhere. Think about, like, smart cars that people are still working on. Many companies are still investing huge amounts of money. Well, smart cars get in trouble they always have these corner cases where they want to dial home and say, I'm having this problem, what do I do? And the mission controller can say, tell them what to do, but only if they have a connection. And they don't want to spend thousands of dollars on, on, on you know this connection. So if the existing cellular RF chip in the smart car allowed the, uh, the smart car owner-operator to tell it what to do, that would solve a huge problem for them, and and so that's what, where cars are. And so this is a a, a very elegant, low cost, no friction solution um, for uh, car makers. And and just to think is there's lots of other people out trying to sell their connectivity solutions to car makers. Every one of them requires the car maker to make a change, to that's costly and it's also risky. What if what if the car maker um, who's building you know millions or tens of millions of these cars in three to five years, this company they bought this service from is out of business? Well, that's really risky. What link is offering is that it's no risk to them right they They can just they no change that this is going to be extended everywhere and now, based on what's going on with the direct to device industry, it's well, everybody's woken up to what link is doing. This is really inevitable. It's not inevitable that Link gets the business. This technology is now a whole bunch of companies jumping in that said, oh, my gosh, this is a huge breakthrough. and We want to be in it, too. Right? So we have a bunch of fast followers. And part of the implications here are to IoT. There's really big implications for the entire IoT industry.
0: Thank you. Um, What – is link doing um, to test its satellite to mobile on earth?
1: well we're we're testing in, in, um, in 20 countries right now. We have licenses to test in twenty six, but we're actively testing in 20 right at the moment. We're testing with Tier one MOs in the United States, in India, in in uh, Philippines, in Australia, in the United Kingdom. Um, in in Australia, um, in New Zealand, some of our MNO partners have announced it. Uh, Globe in the Philippines and Optus in Australia have both announced successful tests in their countries. So we're we're testing with lots of MNOs all over the world.
0: Thank you. Um, are you still planning a constellation of five thousand satellites?
1: Yes, that is the long-term vision. That's where we're planning to build out to 5,000 satellites, and, uh, but we're starting where we are. There, you don't need 5,000 satellites for a good, useful IoT service. There's actually some value with the existing satellites we have in orbit today. We have three. We're the world's only patented, proven, and uh, commercially licensed company. And we're the only world's only satellite direct-to-device uh, company that has three commercial satellites in orbit that are operating today. And so we can start providing some IoT services today, this year, with uh, our existing satellites under our, you know, the world's only uh, commercial license from the FCC to do this service.
0: Are you planning any more launches this year?
1: Yes, we're planning launches later this year. We're, we're, uh, we, we are building satellites now, and uh, we're looking to ramp up next year and to uh, increase the scale and, and, and rate of production.
0: Thank you. What steps are you taking to scale production in 2023 and beyond?
1: Well, we're planning to uh, hire a lot more people, and we've already proven you know, the uh, existing sa- satellite tech, and we're going to scale with the proven technology. So now it's, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, right? Um, you know, what's proven?
0: Thank you. And I have one more question on the topic of the FCC. Last month, they announced a new proposed framework for satellite smartphone communications that's intended to facilitate more collaboration between terrestrial Mobile network operators and satellite service providers like Link. What does this mean for Link Global going into the future?
1: So first of all, what the FCC has done and what the leadership of the FCC has done in a bi- very bipartisan manner is brilliant. What they have done, instead of trying to boil the whole ocean and solve every different issue for satellite directed device. Uh, there's some complicated issues. What they said is we're going to do the low-hanging fruit first, the low risks. And what they decided that the low-risk, easy thing to do first was, you know, mobile network operators have contiguous spectrum across the whole country and different part- geographic areas of the United States like Alaska or Hawaii. And if we give a license, if, if a, a mobile network operator has that spectrum, and that mobile network operator, which paid for that spectrum, decides we would like to light it up with satellite cell towers in addition to ground-based cell towers. Who are we to say they can't do that as long as they don't cause harmful interference to, you know, any adjacent uh, uh, parties? And as long as they can show they're not doing that, we're gonna, they basically said we're going to let them cut a commercial deal with a satellite company who has a commercial operational license like Link. To go do that. And that was the easy thing to do. Now there's lots of other ideas out there for adding new spectrum and uh, other things for satellite direct device. Those are more complex. There's fights over spectrum between different companies. They're not going to they're saying we're not going to touch that. In this case the the MNO spectrum, they have dedicated spectrum. It's not shared. It's it there is no harmful interference risk. There's no resolving a fight between parties over the spectrum. We're going to let them go now. So we can accelerate this, and, and the United States can be a leader in this. So it's, it's really brilliant insight on the FCC of, of not slowing this down. There were other companies that tried to slow it down because they can't move fast. Anybody who's protesting the FCC moving fast is saying they can't move fast, and so this is a bad idea. Um, and there's companies out there who basically said it's going to take them 10 to 15 years to do this and they'd rather slow it down. And so Link can move fast and the FCC is, you know, sorry to say to those companies is moving fast. And so we're, we're very pleased with the leadership. And, you know, the U.S. government takes a lot of flack about not going fast enough. So when they do go fast, we, we should all applaud them.
0: Thank you. So the new proposed framework, it's, it's sort of helping the companies that have already made major progress and just helping them kind of get even further
1: along. It does. It it, uh, it it moves us along that there's a there's a path forward that's low risk that allows us the United States to be a leader in this. There are other countries that would love to leapfrog over the United States. And if we get become too bureaucratic, it becomes a national security problem. The FCC recognizes it's critical for America to lead in this. In this technology, we invented the technology. It's critical that the government not become the problem and allow other countries to leapfrog over the United States. So we're very pleased by what the FCC is doing, as well as the bipartisan leadership of the U.S. Congress. So there was a law passed out of the, the House Commerce Committee uh, last week. Called the Alert Parity Act that passed forty six to zero that that link supports right so there is bipartisan uh, excitement across the whole of government of the United States that this is a critical technology we need to lead in and and so FCC has seeing seen this as well as the U S Congress.
0: Thank you. Um, and. Would you be able to elaborate on exactly, has this changed Link's
1: business strategy going forward in 2023 at all? No, it hasn't changed it at all. Um, if this was, we believe that uh, the FCC would, uh, would uh, you know, uh, I, I, I guess I'm a hopeful, positive that, that, you know, you have to be that for an entrepreneur. The glass is half full, that we'd be able to persuade the U.S. government that to do the right thing. And so our plan was to persuade them that this is the right thing to do and, and so across the whole of the US government they are are from my perspective doing very well. So they get criticized online in a lot of cases. So when they actually do the right thing, we should all applaud them. Thank you.
0: It's a very exciting industry, for sure.
1: It is very exciting and, and uh you know you know, about you know, some a decade ago, if you had told me that uh, you're going to stay connected everywhere with just the single mobile phone in your your pants pocket, I would have said you're crazy, right? This, you know, the, people thought this was impossible. We figured out that the impossible was possible in 2015. We did the bottoms up uh, first principles physics of it in 2015. And then it took us a couple more years to invent the technology, but in 2017, in the spring of 2017, we have had it all figured out. So we've been working at this for six years. We're years ahead of everybody else. We have 27 commercial contracts. Nobody else we know of has any true commercial contracts. We have patents on the fundamental technology. We don't know of any way around this. We have... We have the old world's only commercial license, and we worked out the technology and proven it from space. So we're very excited. Um, there's going to be a bunch of other companies jump in because it's such a huge opportunity and it's life changing. Right? This is gonna, this is gonna uh, not only save lives but transform lives. We're gonna bring, you know, rather than forcing everybody to go to the city from the uh, the country where they live and where they farm and and they don't have connectivity, we're going to bring connectivity to them. We're literally going to bring the 21st century to everybody on this planet.
0: Thank you. That's really exciting. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you again um, to Charles Miller, co-founder and CEO of Link Global, for joining us. This has been The Dish Podcast by Connectivity Business News.
1: Thanks, Madeline.